God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning. I hope you are ready to say yes to spirit. This is Tracy, and Leslie will be with us in just a moment, in just a couple of minutes. Um, But today's show, Say Yes to Spirit, is focused all on oneness. What does that mean? How does it show up in our lives? If we really believe it, how would we behave? All of that. And if this is your first time listening to Say Yes to Spirit, um, what we are focused on is encouraging you on your spiritual path. Often what Leslie and I both say is that this is um, also for us and maybe even primarily for us if we're a little uh, selfish and a little honest because we know, each one of us knows that for at least one hour every week, we are going to say yes to spirit. We are going to seriously contemplate what that means, get out of our own way, and you know, live in the moment, which was our theme a couple of weeks ago. And what we do in the show is every week we focus on a theme, um, a word, a concept, and What would it mean, what does it mean to say yes to spirit in the context of that particular word or theme or concept? So today's theme is oneness. Last week we talked about perfection, and we often spend the first few minutes of the show connecting the dots. Is there a connection between last week's theme and the theme that we are getting ready to dive in today? Uh, What might that connection be? Since we believe that everything that exists is unified, then most of the time we're able to make some kind of connection and connect the dots. Um, And it's Leslie's most favorite thing to do. It is. I sound like a 10-year-old boy, so I should do something that's my favorite thing to do. Favorite thing to connect the dots. So last week was perfection, and this week is oneness. And one of the connections that is really, really present for me, I was looking for quotations related to oneness, and I found one that connected Perfection, oneness. <laughs> Perfectly. Perfectly. Yes. Yeah. yes. So I'm like, okay, we have to use this during Connect the Don. Um, and this is a quote from Ernest Holmes in the Science of Mind text, um, and it encourages us to declare daily, quote, through my eyes, God sees the perfection of his kingdom. I, too, see perfection in all creation, the beauty of the omnipresent God. And for me, it's like, yeah, it's about the perfection, which we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. But because I see, I choose to see through the eyes of God, I am acknowledging my oneness with Mm -hmm. God. And then I'm seeing all of the kingdom as his kingdom, as God's kingdom, and I, so I cannot help but see that as perfect, too. I'm like, oh, it, we're all one. We're all connected. And it's all perfect. And I like it. <laughs> and I feel good about that. And that, yes, I think if, it's a natural fit. It's a natural connect the dots because if, if we understand and fully live in oneness, then that would be that state of perfection that we talked about last week. There wouldn't be any way around it when when I'm really aware of that oneness. It's when I step outside of that awareness is when I get back into my imperfect human stuff. 
Yeah, kind of like your voice. You know, that is it. I, I'm a, I'm a big Louise Hay, you know, message of the body kind of person. So it's said that I have said something that I regret or want to take back when you lose your voice. So I've, you know, made a legal pad full of all the things I've said that I... <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm sorry. That's the next book. All the things <laughs> I've ever said that I wish I hadn't. Wish I hadn't, yeah. So that I can get my voice back. It's funny. I thought, um, and I, 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 I totally believe you, but what was in my head about losing your voice from a metaphysical point of view, from a Louis, Louis Hay metaphysical point of view, was that there was something you wanted to say that you weren't allowing yourself to say? He said that, too. Oh, okay. But the one that but, resonated yeah, the one with that resonated, you. I screwed up, yeah, because I actually had, it was interesting, I had a fairy unlike me, conversation with a woman the day before where I had a bit of a fight, a fight that I don't even have with, like, lovers or friends or family. And so they want to resonate And then you lost me. your voice. And I lost my voice. No wonder day. that resonated with you. Creepy, 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 yeah. Yeah, so talk about oneness, that everything we do and everybody right. we interact with, that, that it is all cre- connected in the one mind. Right. It is all connected in the one spirit. And I... I and I do agree. If there's anyone who's listening who's not familiar with the Louise Hay books, and the, I mean, she's written a lot of books, and she's known for several things, including really educating people about how to use affirmations well. But I think the thing she is most recognized for is the book that the work that she's done around how. Things show up in your body, physical body, right? In your physical body, and that the healing is really, you know, from a metaphysical point of view. If you realize what it is that's showing up, why is it showing up here? Right. Then you can um, do some spiritual level healing, not necessarily. Um, saying that you should never do any Western healing or go to a doctor, not saying that, but just saying, you know, that you might heal the physical symptoms, but they may come back or they'll come back in another form if you don't also deal with the um, spiritual cause. There is. I, I really found that true in my life, that there's an underlying root something anytime I have any kind of physical issue. And so, yeah, if you're not familiar with Louise Hay and you're listening, I would really suggest you Google her. Google her. Yes. Go to the bookstore, buy Heal Your Body. <laughs> Your Body Heal Your Mind, right? Yeah. It's like I need to buy it. I have needed to buy a new one for 10 years because every time I pick it up, pages fall out. <laughs> or, you know, sections drop out. You know, I need to have a rubber band around it because I have used it so much. Much, right. Uh, but it's something like, I, but why buy another one? This one is perfectly fine, <laughs> you know. Ah, uh, yeah. So um, connecting the dots, anything else? Connecting the dots between perfection last week and oneness this week? You know, I just think it's such a perfect connect the dots. It'll be interesting to see as we talk more about oneness how it's different from perfection. Because I just think it's very much alike, so... Maybe we'll find out a little bit as we talk and uh, hear ourselves talk about how is it different from perfection. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Look for the differences instead of the similarities. That's the first. (laughs) Okay, so we'll take a little break and we'll come back and talk about oneness. It's Say Yes to Spirit. Comments or questions, 347 850 1523.
welcome back to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. And today's theme is oneness, oneness. You know, um, I'm a a big believer that uh, if I see something going on that's an injustice for someone else that I don't even perhaps know, if I don't step in and... um, say something about that or try to take action on their behalf, that I am just as responsible as the person creating the persecution. I think back to the Holocaust times and the people that, you know, tried to offer shelter and put people in tunnels and all of that sort of thing. You know, those are the people that I think have, you know, no blame, no shame for that. But everybody else in the around that situation that knew what was happening and took no action, I think, in a way, were in my way of thinking how I live. Um, as responsible as the people putting them in the gas chambers because for me there's no real difference between knowing something and taking the action, you know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. making much sense yeah. in my 10-year-old voice here. And um, I have found myself very much in the odd man out kind of thing where I step up and step in and try to, you know, advocate, you know, <laughs> through systems and things when when I see an unjust situation. And I'm fascinated by people that really find issue with me around that. And I think I I get kind of zealot about it, and I think that that probably may be why they find issue, you know, zealot about it. It's just unattractive, really. But, uh, but I do think that concept, and I think that as a whole human experience, we've fractured so far from that. We're so individualized in our desires, you know, individualized in our way of physically living in terms of, you know, we don't sit on the porch and have tea with our neighbors anymore. We drive our cars into the garage, you know, all the old adages of, you know, it's just not like it used to be, but (laughs) but it's more true now than ever. We're not you know, taking care of our neighbor. We're not. We don't even know what our neighbor needs. You know, so how could we? We don't even take? know our neighbor's name. <laughs> yeah, right. In a lot of cases, I'm glad to say that's not my situation right now. Mm-hmm. But where I lived, the previous two places I lived, that was true. Um, you know, or I knew their name, but I really didn't know anything about them. I'd never actually been in their house. They never actually in my house. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is very true in the United States. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's worldwide because there's so many cultures oh, that um, for whom that interconnectedness is still very much a way of life, daily way of life and a way of being in the world. But definitely in the United States we have lost that sense of connection and unity and and i and it's interesting to think if our if our interactions with our fellow man woman with people mirrors our perception interaction and belief about god or spirit and our relationship with God or spirit, and you know, I'm just—it's just hitting me. You know, there have been so many surveys in the last ten years about um, religion and the right. perception of religion, or the uh, how people describe themselves. You know, and how over the last few decades in the United States, every time they do this survey. The percentage of people who describe themselves as spiritual but not religious has increased. Increased. And and the percentage of people who say, I, not so much I don't believe in God, but I'm not involved in any way in any religious or spiritual practices, huh. that keeps going up. Huh. And so, yeah, I hadn't, really hadn't thought about, well, if we don't believe we are one, if we don't believe we, or if we don't have a relationship with, Spirit or with God, even if we think God is separate from us and in the sky judging. Because if we don't even feel like we're one, connected uh-huh. there, is it any wonder 
that we don't treat other human beings as if we're connected to them? Right. What would be the the impetus of the, or the that's not the right word, but what would be the Well, yeah. Well, yeah. What would be the seed when right. I think I am, I'm not connected to God. I'm not, it's me. It's it's me. I'm doing this. I'm, it's, you know, right. I'm alone in this. Then you would, it would seem that it would be a natural outflow that then I would also, in my concrete material world, right, be playing that out as well. I'm independent. I'm one. I'm not connected to these other people. Right. It's just all what I think and do. It was so interesting when you said that sentence. I'm independent. Mm-hmm. I was in a in a very uh, intimate relationship with a person one time, and then that was their belief, and they would use that belief in terms of saying, "That's why I can't." And one of the main things, this person was raised in Jehovah Witness, but didn't wasn't practicing that faith at the time. But come Christmas time, it was a big thing for me just to have a Christmas card. Just a card, yeah, yeah, fine. Just take a piece of cotton paper and say Merry Christmas. Love you. You know, I was just really wanting that. And I learned it's a good therapeutic technique to voice my desires. <laughs> you know, like, this is what I want. You know, you don't have to read my mind. Here, I'll give you a placard, you know. And, uh, Two years in a row, it just didn't happen, and that was why, because I'm independent and you wouldn't want me to be somebody I'm not. I'm like, well, no, I want you to love me enough to give me a Christmas card. And I I always thought, you know, those two things don't have to be uh, separate, mutually attached. That's exactly right. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can still be independent and still reach out and see my desire for that and your love for me, quote-unquote, would, you know, allow you to, you know, bridge over your independence and say, here's a Christmas card. Right. But it's such a hard, I don't want to use the word, you know, it's a, it's such a hard thing to fight for, you know, to defend, because when somebody says, well, I'm independent and I'm doing what I need to do for me, well, okay. You know, I, I don't know where to go from there when I get that. And I tend to get that a lot. You know, I've got to take care of myself. Well, yes, you do have to take care of yourself for that oxygen mask, you know, if you're going down on a plane. Exactly. But beyond that, if you've got enough air, you know, beyond that, I think, you know, it's just so significant to look around us and say, what's going on around me? How can I get involved? Or who needs what? Or even people that I don't even particularly like. If, you know, if they're in need or they have something or they want me to do something that I don't particularly want to do, and then I went through thinking, well, maybe I'm just a doormat. I'm one of those codependent people, they say. <laughs> She'll do anything. Mikey, Leslie, tell Leslie, she'll do it, she'll do anything, you know. And I wondered about that, am I just doing it out of some sort of desperate need to be liked or, you know, wanting somebody's attention or affection and willing to do whatever. And I think there is an element of that, yes, but I think way beyond that, there's such a strong belief that we are one. And if somebody is suffering or somebody is not getting or someone's being attacked or someone's whatever, there is a part of my DNA, a part of my soul, a part of me that is being attacked as well. And I experience it like that. I mean, when somebody, you know, that's probably the codependent part, but, you know, I mean, I really experience it. When some of my friend or somebody I know is treated unfairly, I, you know. (laughs) I get all riled up, more riled up than the friends. I was just ready to say Come on now. Like you're ready to go to war, and that person's like, you know, really, um, it's no big deal. It's done. It's done. I'm done with it, and and you're still carrying the flag into battle, uh, which is which is a different discussion. But what the so two things have come up that are really interesting as I was listening to you. Interesting from my perspective. So one of the things that's really interesting, I just have to say and get it out so I can stop being over here laughing about it. Uh, So, you know, you're focused on, you know, because you have had some challenges with your voice, in your mind you think you sound like a 10-year-old boy. That's what you said at the Uh top of the show. But what I've noticed in the last 20 minutes as you've been talking is that because you're not in your normal voice, Uh uh-huh, you sound so southern. 
Like. Like. Oh. And you, I mean, you know, it's like it's a pronounced <laughs> Texas That's cute. Southern drawl that I don't oh. normally hear when I... I'm like, oh, yeah, she is Texan. Return my roots, Tara. <laughs> right. So, exactly. That's funny. That's funny. And I'm like, who is this person I'm talking to? That's it. Um, so that's one. And that's so I kept, like, smiling when you were talking, and you weren't saying anything funny. <laughs> but that's why. And then um, the second piece is, you know, I, I do so much work on diversity and inclusion. And in spirit, and, and you know, I have this whole brand called Stained Glass Spirit, which is about spirit, about diversity and inclusion in spiritual communities, and how if we really, um, if we really lived our values, right. we would see each individual right. as if they were a piece of a stained glass window, and they're supposed to be different colors, different shapes, different sizes. And what brings us and holds us all together is spirit. So when you were talking about us all being connected, one of the things that often comes up when I'm talking with people about stained glass spirit is the whole idea that as people we are all one. I mean, that there's this, this assumption or this mindset that you know, oneness is about us all being nice to one another because we're because I'm one with you. Tracy's one with Leslie. Tracy's one with Anne. Tracy's one with Tom. Tracy's one with David. Tracy's one with and our oneness is you know one on one. But the reality, when I think and and I think it does play out that way. But the reason. For me, that's behind that, that makes me play it out that way, is because I know that I am one with spirit. And you are a creation of spirit, and you're one with spirit. So when I am connecting with you, I'm connecting with God, not you as the human person. You know, so the oneness piece, for me is I'm connected with God and I'm a part of what God has created. And so everything that God has created, but it's not like you, Leslie, the individual, or, you know, John as John. When people are often talking to me about it, it's like they've missed that whole piece. It's more, it's the cliche, Uh we are all one. Uh Uh-huh. And the, and I don't hear you talking about it that uh-huh. way. But when you were talking, it it reminded me that that's what comes up a lot. Because when I say, "Wait a minute," I'll ask the question or question something like, "Okay, so yeah, you know, we're our brother's keeper, and yeah, you should be nice to everybody. And uh, who are you one with? Who are you one with?" What are you one with? And they'll start naming, you know, names or say individuals. Uncle like, Fred. Long yeah. Ted. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. You know, and then that opens the conversation. And this, and for me, there was a big shift when I started thinking about, no, the 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 entity I am one with is God. And because of that, as I'm interacting with other people, I'm going to behave a certain way, I'm going to come from, I'm going to see that person through God's eyes because I am one with God. And if I see that person through God's eyes, which we talked about last week with perfection, right? if I see that person through God's eyes, then God is looking at that person as its own creation. And that person then is equal to me, and is the same. Not and then is the same as me, because we're both connected to the spirit in that way. But they're not the same as me in any other way. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm thinking about my thoughts behind my words, and my thoughts behind my words more are that one and one. And when you talk about stained glass spirit. 
I thought of that stained glass picture in my mind, and each little piece makes up the one. So now I'm thinking it's maybe a both and, which ultimately all things are. Hate uh, yes. Hate that. Love that, but hate it. Um, that the one on one that I'm thinking, you know, all being one and stepping into, you know, taking up my arms for someone else's fight. Do you think it's wrong if they're laying down and I'm fighting? That's probably wrong. But um, it, that that one-on-one oneness is is different than what you're saying, like that one that we all, because of our uniqueness, create the one, which is very, in my mind's eye, very different. Mm-hmm. But I think well, they're both, both yeah, it's a it both, is a both but I like. And I, and, and I do believe that a lot of times when we see the individual human level one-on-one, one and one, that when you're grounded in a place where it's all God anyway, right. that it, you know, it, it does seem like a natural connect. Um, but it's very powerful to go back to the connection really is your oneness with Spirit that is then playing out as God is experiencing life through you, right? And the way you interact with people, the danger of the oneness on the human physical level without the spiritual connection is what also happens when people say, "I'm one with you," and the subtext in their subconscious mind is, "So you're, we're the same." But what that really translates in the subconscious is, is you are just like me. And uh, so it limits us from being able to see how the other person is so unique and they are absolutely perfect in that way, another connection to last week, um, because they were created in the spiritual image and likeness uh-huh. of God to to affect uh, their own specific experience in the world. And so that's what also often happens um, in interfaith efforts or in um, in one faith, but it's an inter-ethnic, you know, like a white church and a black church will decide to be sister churches, and they'll try to do things together. And um, often what happens is a lot of frustration because they'll be saying, you know, no, we're one, we're just alike, we're all the same. And... Often this happens with the white church then expecting the black church to, like, do everything their way or, you know. (laughs) But it also happens the other way where the black church is like, you know, but, no, we do it this way and, you know, don't you all know this? Or, you know, the assumptions that we make when we say, oh, we're all one and we're all the same. Yes. And we don't realize on the subconscious level we're saying, really, if we're all the same, you must be just like me. And my frame of reference is me. Right. And then we start hitting those walls when people communicate differently or have different values, you know, express themselves differently. It's like, oh, oh, maybe we're not all the same. Yes, we're all the same. We're all made in the spiritual image and likeness of God, and we're all unique. You know, that's interesting you use the word same, because I would not, I, I I do not think of that word when I think of oneness. I don't think yeah. we're the same. No, I don't think that. So I'm just yeah. pleased to report that that that's yeah. one. And I well, and I know you something that I don't have. I and I know you well enough yes. to know that's true. But that is true that people fall into that <coughs> hole of oneness well, being sameness. But that's on the subconscious level. I mean, yeah. I you know I think, or they may hear the phrase, we're all the same, and say, yeah, we're all the same, we're all children of God. But sometimes when the the little miscommunications start occurring, right. then you go, well, we're all the same, and, and you know, and we treat everybody, I, we, I, I treat everybody with respect, but if it's based on what I want others to do for me to show respect, I may totally miss. Right what's respectful from your point of view, from especially where cultures are involved. Yes, 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 yes. Versus just personality. And you were good before to bring up the idea that, you know, the whole world is not the United States of America. And uh, that perhaps... <laughs> 
I think I find that really? hard to believe. Really? <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, in other cultures, you know, in the in the backward cultures, perhaps they're uh, okay, a little you, bit more in touch. They can't see your face and know that you did wink <laughs> your eye and you were being Hopefully. Yes. Yes. Oh, people know the sarcasm behind that because there is such a disconnect, I think, between the United States and everyone else, and we have this illusion that we're this powerful source of something. When I think we're light years behind most other countries that still have a sense of oneness and community and caring about each other in this, you know, it's almost embarrassing for me now to be an American because it's gotten so far away from, you know, having that connection and that interest in each other. And if you look at oneness from the standpoint of the global, you know, how do you even, how do I even... Think about that. You know, I don't. When you said it's a phenomenon here in the United States, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I never thought about that. They don't do that over there and somewhere else. But I don't ever think about over there somewhere else. You know, that's not part of my experience. So, And as you said, in the U.S., we have such a, a – our culture is to assume that Everybody is like us or wants to be. Wants to be. They're not here. They're coming as soon as they can. They want to be. And, you know, and, yeah, and it's totally intellectually understandable, you know, that we see ourselves as the center of the universe um, and as better than. I mean, if if we look at our overall history, it's understandable, but it does not always serve us well. Right. Not just even thinking about in international relations or foreign relations, it doesn't serve us well in our terms of our own behavior and interaction with one another sometimes. Yes, and I think push pushing that envelope of individualism and egotism and all the isms that are you know in a negative thing, I think that's where we are now as a country. I think that's what's causing all of this internal unrest. If you're listening to this live on this day when they're looking at all that debt ceiling situation, you know, we're pushing that envelope of I've got to stand up for what I believe in, nobody else matters, and compromise and looking out for my fellow man is a bad thing if they don't believe what I believe exactly. It's, um, I think we're pushing that to to its extreme level and it's really showing us what happens. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, it's 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 like so many things. It's such a simple word, a simple concept on the one hand, and then on the other hand, it's, there are all of these layers to it. And the layers, when you get down to them, if we live them, it changes our world. Yes. These simple little concepts, yet keeping one concept throughout the whole day and really living it, uh, <laughs> you know, it's such an anomaly. I can live it for 30 seconds or an hour and a half, and then somebody cuts me off or somebody doesn't call me back or somebody doesn't make eye contact or smile, and then, you know, these simple little concepts that are the truth, that it just goes away so quickly. Yeah. But if, uh, if I keep it in the forefront of my mind, and I'm thinking about oneness in terms of spiritual practices or different ways to connect with oneness or remind myself of that oneness. And, uh, you know, I used to have a little rock that I kept in my pocket. Can you imagine? I'm not a purse girl. So I have everything always in my pocket. And uh, so when I would feel in my pockets to get money or whatever, I had this little rock that was I identified as a god rock. And it would be that kind of connection to me to remember when I'm in line at 7-Eleven and I, you know, reach in my pocket, oh, right, I'm one with God, I have God, there's God. <laughs> Sometimes I start out, oh, there is God, right? Yeah, right. right. Let's remember there is God. Yeah, it depends on where you put the That's emphasis it. in that <laughs> sentence. And the guy, yeah. Well, it's having a, a touchstone, uh-huh. whether it's a rock, a stone, or, you know, some other... 
item, uh-huh. but yeah, stone especially is so powerful um, and so helpful. And I, I love your example of, yeah, whenever you put your hand in your pocket, right. to, which you do, you know, constantly yeah. all day for different reasons, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, uh-huh. oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, uh-huh. Oh yeah, I love that. With the day that we were taking our final oral exams for practitioner licensing, um, we were each handed a, a touchstone. Oh, cool! You know, um, a stone that you know to like remind you through this whole exam yeah. that you know no you you are connected yes there are people who know that you know know your truth yes you and it was um and it was a very sweet thing right. I, you know and cuz i i don't i'm not one to kind of fidget i'll use my hands when i talk a lot but not just fidgeting and I can imagine that that would, you know, if you had that in your hand, then it wouldn't be so much fidgeting. It would be, you know, you're just constantly reminding yourself that's where you are and what you really believe. Did you get to keep the rock? Yes. Very nice. Yes, it's on my altar now, so. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very cool. It's a, it's a therapeutic thing, too. We used to do that in... Uh, uh, treatment centers when someone would go home, they'd pick a rock out of a big basket, and uh, and we would sit down in a group and we would have everyone in the group go around and put, I will remember you because you gave me hope. There'd be something that we would say that we were going to remember about them, a gift that we had gotten from them, and then we would say, and I give you the gift of peace, or I give you the gift of love, being surrounded by love. And so the rock then became, after it went all the way around the room, and each individual would say, here's what you've done for me, and here's what I'm giving to you. All of that energetically was in the rock, and then the person would take the rock with them out into the world, because the treatment center was very much of an isolated bubble kind of experience, and what we know about treatment centers and the success rate of people getting sober is it's not about really what happens in the treatment center. It's about what happens when they go outside the walls of the treatment center. And having that rock in their pocket or on their dashboard or, you know, on their sink by their bathroom, it would trigger them back to that group experience of saying goodbye and what the person in group, you know, put in that rock for them. And, uh, Again, those those are the things that would keep someone sober. Yeah, the after experience. Yeah, and that so when you talk about have a, as a spiritual practice, it's really good to have a, something physical right. that you have given that you have assigned that to. Right. That meaning to. Right. So whenever they see it, hear it, touch it. Right. That it does that. And it is a personal belief, and I can remember we used to have a lot of men, you know, if you can only imagine a man sitting in a treatment center saying, this is just stupid, it's just a rock, you know. And uh, it was interesting to, if they would come back to aftercare so many times, they don't, you never see them again, but those that would come back, they would say, oh, my gosh, you know, I was really feeling kind of weak need, and I saw that damn rock. And I remember, you know, it's almost like against their own will. Exactly. The rock took meaning. You right. Know? Well, because, like, it's been <laughs> talked about, so it's there and it's there. Yeah. And, yeah, you can resist it and resist it and resist right. it. And then in that moment of need, it, it shows up. So um, that, that, that oneness concept maybe is the idea that spiritual practice being that in that moment of need, if I have that spiritual practice routine of anything, yes, it shows up and reminds me of that oneness. Maybe the maybe right. the practice becomes part of the oneness. I guess. Yeah, I mean it is because it does reinforce it and it connects you to it and it it retrains your subconscious. Right. Um, and then I know that you um, and I both, you know, love the. 
there's only one mind. I mean, there's only one life. Life is God's life. Yeah, and actually, you know, when we did the we did the show on visioning, we actually, you know, took 20 minutes or so and and did a little mini visioning. Yes, and, and that I, was really powerful. Yes. What if we didn't take 20 minutes, but what if we took three minutes and yes. did the There's Only One Life and had people do it with us just yes. to get that feel? Because for me, a lot of times, that is the, sh- is the shortest path to actually being in oneness, to remind myself. So, um, do you have some mala beads, Tracy? Well, if we do the four hundred eight, it'll be a long time. Long. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have to tell a story then before we do the shorter, okay. the Reader's Digest version of that. Right? Yeah. Uh, on and off over my life, I've done meditation, tons of meditation, and uh, you know, I kind of close my eyes and I can. For five or six years, I couldn't even keep my body still. And then after six or seven years, I could keep my body still, and I was thrilled about that. So it just has taken me a long, long time. And I guess it was three years ago I took spiritual practices class. And one of the things that Reverend Peachwood did in that class was we did that I am one like that mantra to the mala beads. And the whole class, all 30 of us, said it out loud. And then we went into it. 20-minute meditation after we had said it. And I went there. The there that people talk about you can't talk about that I had never experienced after 20 years of trying, you know, and just, you know, like maybe it's not really there or whatever, you know. Is it? <laughs> but that unleashed it for me. Mm-hmm. And so then I tried to figure out a way I could get all those 40 people to come to my house every morning. And so, <laughs> I figured that's the only way for me to get there, to have 40 people saying this for but it really, it really was. So that's an interesting thing. And then I found, I did find, if I said it out loud yes. to the mala beads, if I did it myself even alone, mm-hmm. if I went through the ritual of saying it on one bead all the way through the 103, 108, really? 108 beads, that um, it did unlock something. And I found yeah. that to be true since then. Yeah, and I, so, well, so if there's anyone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about, so the the phrase is, or the series of phrases is, there's only one life, that life is God's life, that life is perfect, that life is my life now. And what we'll do is we'll repeat those four sentences together in sequence and as soon as you finish the last one, you don't even breathe. You go right into the next one. So the breath comes somewhere in the middle and um, so that you get this momentum. And if we were using mala beads, which are the Buddhist meditation beads, they're on a string of 108 beads, which is a sacred number. And that way, you you know, if you do one full cycle, you don't have to count, you don't have to worry and you know, or if you're in a certain amount of time, you know, trying to do it in a certain amount of time and you know, you know, oh, I want to do this for 10 minutes and it takes about 10 minutes to go 108 times, you know, then you don't have to even think about that. The beads keep you on track and every time you go to a bead, you, you know, say the se- start the sequence over. So that's what we're talking about. But we're going to just go for about three minutes. Okay. And please join us. And if you miss a word, just jump right back in. Uh, we might miss a word because, you know, your brain is is at first trying to remember the words, but then you release that. So don't worry about doing it perfectly. Um, we're just going to take a deep breath and get centered and let spirit work through these words. There's only one life. That That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. 
That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. There's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. And to sit in that space of perfection, whether it is five seconds, five minutes, or five hours, it's such a sweet silence that reminds us that our life is God's life and God's life is our life. And that is what oneness is all about. And when you really do, that mantra does drill that down, there is only one life. And if, again, like we talked about last week, if if we live that way, that that is perfection. And it, and it either is or it isn't. I mean, it's not... I had a friend this week that said something about I'm kind of drunk, and I said, well, that's like me, <laughs> kind of pregnant, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, uh, I'm not certain. And I really think, you know, we, we live these kind of spiritual lives. Ooh, and, Ooh uh, you just hurt somebody's feelings. <laughs> they don't listen to this show. Somebody takes <laughs> that personally. But, uh, you know, it is an interesting thing. I think, you know, we, we hedge our bets. I hedge my bets, you know. And 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 I see even you know uh, religious science is that is that what I am religious science you know even all religions I see there's there's phrases there's ways that we hedge our bets that we say you know it is fifty one percent or the tipping stone or something you know there's just different ways that people all we all want to hedge a bet and say well it's true except when it's not true. Right, and it's I'm like, the exception. It's true uh, for you, but right, right, right. I'm the exception. And no, there are no exceptions. Right. There's just one life, and there's just one life. Period. End of story. If I make a mistake, if I do something that, you know, I think is so out of the, you know, I'm trying to catch this cat, that this old friend of mine who died, and we're trying to trap her cats to find her cats' new homes, and they're out the door, out the doggy door, and she's got a kind of a creek in the back area, and these cats are just not coming into the trap. And and I'm just obsessed with, you know, catching these cats and being responsible and not making sure nothing happens to these cats because, you know, I'm one with her. She's dead, and I've got to keep this, and I didn't see one thing I can do, and I just get very emotional about it. And this morning, I left the old food out, outside the trap and then put the new food in. I usually take the old food out of the house and then throw it away somewhere else. And this morning I left the old food on the counter. And then I went up to meditation. I had to be at meditation. And so by the time I got back down there an hour and a half later, I just know that cat ate some of that food outside. And I was outside the trap, which if you know anything about trapping, that would be completely counterproductive to the whole idea yeah. of trapping. And so I had to have that conversation with myself this morning. You know, either this is real or it's not real. There was some reason that you don't know, Leslie, in your omnipotent mind. That you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because my whole prayer has been, you know, whatever's best for that cat. 
So uh, now I have to assume, right, right. So now I have to assume that's what's best for that cat. And, you know, it's just I'm having that conversation a lot with myself lately. Is it real? Do you really believe it or not? Yeah, you, the last few weeks, it's been very present for you. Yeah, mantra. Well, and, you know, we we um, <coughs> often, because it is our practice, our faith, our philosophy, we do often talk about things from the perspective of science and mind, but we, we, we also, because we believe all paths lead to God, you know, we also do a lot of, of um, a fair amount of referring to what we know about other paths, because we've both had other other spiritual paths along our way as we have, you know, grown to be the ages that we're we are. Because we're old, yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and even in Science of Mind, we use the Bible a lot in terms of foundational spiritual beliefs and the interpretation of what is meant here. And so... Um, I don't know. I do, when I was thinking about oneness and unity and all of that, I also specifically came across this quote, which I love because it talked about um, one of the things that Jesus said near the end of his life. And so I'm just going to read this section from this paragraph. Or I'm going to read the whole paragraph. It's not that long. Jesus prayed that all might come to see the unity of life, that they may be one, even as we are one, was Jesus' prayer as he neared the completion of his great work. It was the prayer that enabled those closest to him to understand the unity of spirit in which man clearly recognizes his oneness with the Creator and with all creation. All mystics have sensed that we live in one life. In him, capital H-M, we live and move and have our being. And, you know, it's, I, you know, growing up very small that, you know, Jesus said that they may be one even as we are one. Probably when I think back to, you know, when I was in grade school or even the first few years of high school, that I would have interpreted that as Jesus saying that he was one with God, and that I would have, and, and that they may be one even as we are one. But He is one with God, and you should aspire to do that. But I would have seen myself as the exception, but you know, but not me. Right. You know that some Jesus was that because Jesus was God's son. God gave <laughs> His only begotten Son. Only. Yes. Right, only son, and and I'm I'm not a son, but I'm a believer in Jesus, and so, you know, I could aspire to do some of the things that Jesus did, but I would never have thought about me being Jesus, that the, having the relationship with Spirit or God that Jesus had. Right. Um, that Jesus. Had have is so I, I I just I really love that because I think the message was there all along yes I just didn't have the spiritual maturity to see that oh no there's only one life mm-hmm. and that life is God's life and that life is perfect and it's my life too it's my life right here right, right now. here right now which goes back to the topic three weeks ago of living in the present. I mean, living in the present moment. All yeah. three of these concepts, living in the present moment, perfection and oneness, and kind of build on each other. And we didn't even plan That's it that That's freakish. Way. But that is kind of an elementary building because the first step to any kind of perfection is living in the moment, living in the present. And then you get into that perfect state, and once you're in that perfect state of that present moment, there's no way you don't see the oneness. And I think that I do. I have a um, mystic teacher that I work with, and I think that is something that she's always so present to. And, and just in talking with her, I come away seeing that oneness through her words. It's mm-hmm. like, can I just bottle you up and take you around in my head? Yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. Because when you're around someone that is so present to that concept, 
me it's a concept that I really want to learn or experience, you know what I'm saying? But to her, it's it's her. And so by being around her, you know, and she lives in Maine now, but even on the phone, hearing her voice gives me some sort of energetic yes. boost that for hours after I talk with her, I I have a deeper sense of that. You know, it's not so much of a concept. It's more of an experience. Yeah. It's not something to think about. Right. But it, and you don't have to think about it because you feel it. Yes. You, it's, you, you're living it, so right. you don't have to think about doing it. Think about what it means. You just right. do it. Yes. Don't have to remind myself it's all good all the time, even when you leave the cat food out. You just know it. Like, oh, gosh, there was a reason I left that cat food out. I don't have a clue what that could be, but I know it's right because my intention is very pure. And uh, so that's very, very curious, those three topics coming one, two, three on top of each other, and they do absolutely work together. Does that put a lot of pressure on next week's topic that, that has to work together? No, because you know, <laughs> because three is a trinity and three I'll is so we're uh, done. Okay, right. Yeah. All right, very so good. We could start something completely different next week, or not, because okay. you know the other piece is there is only one life and it's all perfect, and so everything we do ends up being somehow connected. True on that. True on that. So. Um, I was kind of thinking that, you know, a few weeks ago when we did forgiveness, we kept saying we need to do a show on self-forgiveness. Yes. So I was thinking that might be a good topic for next week. Yes, I think that's true. That would start a whole different trinity, but that's self-forgiveness. Boy, yes, I'll need to hear about that, Tracy. Let's do that. That would be a good one. Well, and I'll say even before we get into it that, you know, um, we'll probably start off with, in connecting the dots, <laughs> if there's only oneness, then there's nothing to forgive. Okay, there's nothing to forgive because it's all perfect, right? Uh-huh. So we're just going to acknowledge that now. We'll acknowledge it at the beginning of the show, and then we'll talk about self-forgiveness. <laughs> because every, it comes up so often, there's clearly something for us as it relates to that. So... um that's about it for oneness and, um, you know, that mantra, there's only one life, that life is God's life, that life is perfect, that life is my life now. If you're not familiar with it, please try it a few times. Yes. You don't have to go for ten minutes. You know, go for, I said we were going to go for three minutes, but I couldn't stop at three minutes. So we actually went for about four and a half wow. minutes. Wow, that was my was really fast, so uh, please use it this week, and that's your homework, and we'll ask next week, how did it go, and did you have any deepening as a result of it? Uh, In the meantime, we just want to encourage you to say yes to spirit. I don't mean to be so uptight, but my heart's been hurt a couple times by a couple guys that didn't treat me right. I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie. Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be, baby, just let it be. If it's meant to be. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.